Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. I like in a little slightly tense situation to fuck things up. <laughs> oh, that surprised me. Yeah. Here we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School, brought to you by Masterclass. I'm Matt Donnelly, and today we're recording a special episode with our Patreon backers. We don't know who we're going to talk to. We don't know for how long. We certainly won't stay on topic. We know that part. But we're here just to chat and direct with our, our, some of our most faithful members of the congregation. So good. Oh, I was a, that was my best B minus intro ever, and it's just it really, gone. It was a solid B minus. It really was. Yeah, it really, really was. I don't think that would drop down to a C too easily. No, no. It's certainly not going up. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but it, it's right fat in the middle of a B B B minus. Go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School, presented to you by Masterclass. I'm Matt Donnelly, and today we're talking to numerous special guests. Numerous! Kind of hopped on town hall style with some of our listeners who are backers of our Patreon, and we're we'll going to be meeting our listeners and interacting with Penn and uh, talking about whatever comes up, because that's how the format works. <laughs> Here he is, preach the love. Pendulette. Yeah, Pendulette School, uh, brought to you, presented by Masterclass.com. And we're just going to tell you a little bit now, Yeah, and this may be all you need to know. We all know that lifelong learning is wicked, wicked important. It's awesome. And we all know that Masterclass can deliver that. That's right. Uh, memberships are really great, and they come with all sorts of groovy things from fabulous instructors. But this holiday 180 season- 180 of 180 instructors. Uh, this holiday season, give one annual membership and get one free at masterclass.com slash pen. Very good. And, uh, yeah, good. And uh, uh, that's really good for Christmas uh, and holiday giving. Two, two memberships for the price of one at masterclass.com slash pen. Masterclass.com slash pen. Offer terms apply now we're preaching love with people we always have uh, our favorite guinea pig and that is brogan we have you as a, a, a guinea pig again what do you want to pretend to talk about while matt and i ignore you and talk about whatever we want <laughs> do you have anything to say or should we just ignore you without you saying anything i'm just glad to be here i've got surgery on friday so what kind of surgery me feel better uh <laughs> Don't bring it up. 
Well, that that was the most obvious possible question <laughs> after I'm giving surgery. Sorry. So how would you I can say? I hear myself, so I get distracted. It's not like it's not like we said, "Oh, what surgeries are you giving?" and invaded your privacy. You left yourself no. wide open. I, I the line of questioning was open. I was debating whether or not to say titty surgery. Oh, titty surgery? Titty surgery. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting a lump removed from my breast. Oh, dear. Dear. Well, it, I it's hope it's fine. not it's too benign. serious. It's benign. Yeah. You know, I when I had, um, when I had a, uh, a tumor, essentially, in my ear, they said, this is completely benign, but if we don't remove it, it'll keep growing and grow into your brain and kill you. And I said, boy, your definition of benign and mine differ tremendously. <laughs> That's pretty much what they told me. It's just that they need to take it out. It go me. into my ear and kill me? Well, chop that out of your fucking <laughs> yeah. tit now. Your tit's going into my ear and is going to kill yes. me? I didn't even yes. know to worry about this. The good news, good news, bad news, good news is the tumor's benign. The bad news is it will eventually still kill Pendulet. <laughs> But you're getting the surgery. Have you had, uh, are you going to go fully under? Yeah, they put me under general. Yeah. Well, you put you under a general. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. You have to do that in our, in Scotland. Where are you general, from? General, get in her. Hold, hold them down. Yeah. Yeah. Great save pen is Scotland. Scotland. First, the general has to bang you. And then, when you're under the general, we give you anesthetic. Apparently, it's so good, you just pass out right after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the general. He's only a four star. I'm so disappointed. I'm just making my way to the hospital today. It's <laughs> <laughs> my horrible Scottish accent. Was that your it Scottish accent? I was, that's it what sounded I was for. for a moment like you were doing Amos and Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to be off. Yeah, yeah. Never be able to work Our last again. episode, for but sure. We can still, I believe, we still have carte blanche to make fun of Scots. Right? I believe we can. Those still cheap do bastards. Is anybody even consider yeah. Scots to be cheap anymore? Was that just a passing thing? I think it's a passing thing. I don't think mostly people talk about men wearing kilts, mm -hmm. and then there's the drinking thing. I think I'd like to wear a. I think I'd enjoy kilts. Yeah, because I, I I like to grab my dick a lot, right? And, and kilts make that easy. Make it easier, but more acceptable. I don't know. If you're constantly just reaching under a giant <laughs> skirt, skirt type clothing, and you get that little bag in front of there, I think it's the bag. And a for. knife. A, a knife. You get a knife. It's part of the traditional Scottish dress. Where do you, uh, so? I guess if you're wearing a dress, you, you got to have a knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so in case people go, "Nice dress, dude," you get to pull out your knife. Yeah, and wait, what? Uh, if you think it's appropriate, where is the knife? <laughs> it, it said. In your sock. What is that word? So stock? Sock. Sock. Sock? Yes. Yeah. It's called a sock or it's misdirection and you have a big pouch and then you reach into your actual <laughs> sock for a knife. You reach into your actual sock for a knife. They carry a knife in your sock? Well, their socks are really yeah. high, right? Oh, they have high knee socks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. essentially th this traditional Scottish dress is just like a fantasy schoolgirl dress, right? Right. With a high stock. Like me, like I wear one, I wear ankle socks. Two, I'm not flexible. So if I go for my knife, it's going to be a minute. It's going to be just like, hold on a second. I'm going to defend myself in like Got two a minutes. Bag at the front. Well, it's that's like why, that's why they have the brogue. Yes. So that no one understands what they're saying while they're leaning over to get their knife. <laughs> so they go like, yes, I'm going to cut you, yeah. you shit bag. 
And they say, what? What did he say? Shitbot? What did he say? What? What? Oh, he called me so He's got a knife! What's a shitebog? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fucking gut. You got a shitbag. Yeah, we have no idea. Have what no idea. See? No, no, no idea. And then you have time to reach into your sock. Like, no, sir. I'm good, actually. Uh, thanks for yeah. offering. Do you make do you make fun of my dick? I'm going to reach into my sock. Oh, I guess there was nothing to make fun of then, was there? Um, so uh, yeah, uh, but it used to be. Yeah. You know, this is what the the crazy thing about racism, uh, that wacky wild world of <laughs> racism. I was going to say the wacky wild world of racism. Yeah, um, <laughs> is that you know uh, we pretended for a long while that people of Polish descent were stupid. Right. Yes. We had all these jokes about them. And all, if you go back to the joke books from vaudeville days, yes, they all just about Scott Scott people being cheap. Yes, yeah, yeah. In they fact, all, someone brought in like a vintage joke book into Ice Cream Social, mm. and it's like basically playing Russian roulette with getting canceled by putting that in someone's hands and having them read a joke out of it. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. Emo Phillips did a fabulous thing. Yeah, we just took one of those joke books. Yeah. And read jokes out loud at like a roast, and it was shocking. It, really was. it was like Gilbert Godfrey, you know. It was just like whoa. And yeah, that's just something anyone could just grab off the shelf, you yeah. know, thirty years ago, yeah. forty years ago. That was just comfortable thing to. Boy, those Scots people—they sure are cheap. We don't tell them to their face because they got a knife in their sock. <laughs> I, I assume there's a sheath that wraps around your thigh. Yes. Around what? What is this calf? Is it a is it a calf sheath? Calf sheath slips through the silky knife. <laughs> it's a calf sheath. There is a sheath for the knife in your sock. And then that's attached to your calf. Yes. So you have a calf sheath, calf, calf sheath. Do you, yes. ha- are you armed right now as you talk to us? <laughs> I have a sword up there. Now, is this knife uh, ceremonially, is it a knife that you'd use for whittling and preparing your vittles? Or uh, is it just used for self-defense? I believe you can use it for anything. I've never worn a kilt. No, you cannot use a knife to golf. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot... Only if you don't try hard enough, Pen. You can't bake a a cake within a knife. Yeah, You can't blow into it to call a foul during sporting events. You you cannot. You cannot drive it into Formula One race. If you use a knife to referee children, you'll get in trouble. Right. You can brandish. You can grant a knife. <laughs> you can grand brandish a cake pan. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's trivial. That's, that's true. <laughs> I gotta start carrying cake pans on me more often. Yeah, on your socks. <laughs> Have a cake pan sheath on your sock. On your calf. Hey, hey, hey. Listen, everybody seems to be getting a little bit tense right now. There seems like there's going to be an altercation. What I'm going to do is bake a cake, and we'll all feel better. <laughs> ah, there's been another school school cake baking. The chocolate chips melt perfectly in this pound cake. This is really wonderful. I keep it was going to rob you. But no, Delicious. pound cake is really, really good. And th- this 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 cake baker yeah. burst into the school. The other day, and the children hid in the basement for a while, yeah. then came out and had cake. <laughs> By the way, my uh, my son was on his way to school. Yes. He goes to uh, Las Vegas Academy. Mm-hmm. It's a really sprawling uh, campus. Yeah. You have to go from building to building 
in the worst section of town. Mm-hmm. So I got a, a note from my uh, my uh, son that uh, a text. I woke up to a text that said I was my friend was driving me to school. We got a text that said there were gunshots. So we went out to breakfast. <laughs> And now we're going to go to his house and play video games. Uh, when we were rehearsing Foolers, we were in York, PA, and there was an, uh, an active shooter situation where a shooter was on the loose. Escaped prisoner, I think, actually. Mm-hmm. He was considered armed. Oh, that guy! Yes. That fucking guy who walked sideways up the walls <laughs> and who we had to take all the moral fortitude we had to not root for him. Yeah, right. Exactly. We took yeah. everything we had to stay moral on that. So we were both getting police alarms to stay indoors and then getting news alerts that he was captured. Mm-hmm. So then we as a cast were wondering, is there two people we should be looking out for and they just caught one of them? Mm-hmm. Or whether they caught the person that the alarms are coming at different different mm-hmm. times. So there are two people still on the loose. Let's not go out to lunch. <laughs> but if it's just one, we can still go out and eat. Now this is the uh, amazing thing. We have listeners yeah. overseas who don't live in the United States of America. Yes. And those listeners haven't heard anything of this discussion except there was an active shooter at the school. Yes. And you just said you were trying to decide how long your son would have breakfast. <laughs> They're just going, the entire country has gone mad. Yes. And my answer to that is yes. 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 We've gone mad and we've gotten used to things that no people should get used to. Yeah. And we are able to giggle about things that are are more horrendous than we can imagine. Yeah. And... uh Mox's boyfriend was was locked down in the school, oh. and Zolt was happy that he was having pancakes. Um, but they were shook. I mean, they were really yes, shook. of course, yeah, yeah. And it was, I want to say, no students were involved in the. Uh, it was not an active shooter on campus. They're just in a bad neighborhood, so a guy was just you know routinely yeah. shooting his uh, sex partner, <laughs> like like in, in you know like we do in Vegas, and it just happened to be he chose. Near, near school. school, yeah. And he also uh, shot up uh, a friend of my son's car. That's frightening. Yeah, well, he was stupid enough to park the car behind a, uh, you know, a sex partner that needed killing. <laughs> if he hadn't put his car behind them, wouldn't shot that. It wasn't like, it wasn't like he was out to get his car. You see how that car was dressed? <laughs> it wanted to be shot. <laughs> yeah, don't, it, there's signs up. That say, don't park your car behind a potential murder victim. <laughs> just, uh, it says it it's clearly. It's manual. Yeah. Read but, the manual. But the children aren't used to that. No. They've just gotten cars. They don't know what every sign means. Soon, uh, there'll never be an international symbol. But soon, there'll be a national symbol, symbol that just means it'll be like a, a car behind someone who looks like a real asshole who needs killing with a line through it. Like like when you drive through an area that says falling rocks. Right, right. Like what good does that do, actually? <laughs> <laughs> what will I be able to identify now that I'm aware that can happen? Yeah, but you know, they did change that. And that's really that's really serious, I think. Maybe I made this up and now I'm believing it's true. But I believe the sign used to say Rolling Stones and people were stealing it. So they changed it to Falling Rocks, oh. which is the name of my band. There's all that free publicity from people, every one of whom. You know, sometimes when you're saying something in comedy, you're trying to make an observation that others haven't made. Yes. In the, what is that side for? Every single human being. <laughs> there are there are four-year-olds yeah. who go, what does that sign mean? 
Yeah. That was on my four-year-old, which also <laughs> sounded remarkably like Amos and Andy. Um, <laughs> so good luck on your surgery. Yes. Keep us um, posted. Uh, have you been under uh, under a general before? Um, or just a sergeant? Like five. Okay. But you haven't felt that, right? I'll tell you, and um, I am not a pro-drug guy. You know, I'm a teetotaler. Yeah. And I don't do recreational drugs. Right. But, oh, medical drugs I enjoy. <laughs> I enjoy greatly. I'm looking forward to the week off. Yeah. Because when you go under, and boy, you go under, it's the one time you're not causing any trouble in the world that you know of. Right. You are causing trouble. It's like, oh, you're a pain in the ass. We got to cut this shit out of her tit. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, there's, there's a pain in the ass. It's more like work gripe. I also, you, you got a week, you got a week off too? Minimum a week off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now all the American listeners are like, what? <laughs> yeah, signed off and paid for in full. Uh, cause I'll tell you about having time off for, and now I know that, um, uh, gender is fluid Yeah, and I know that, uh, men also get breast cancer. Yeah. I, I know all that's true, but, uh, I don't, for people in your life who don't have breasts broken, don't talk to them honestly about the amount of pain, please. Because when I had my vasectomy. And I have, as I've mentioned many times in the show, I have skate punk balls. Yeah. Because I've been kicked in the balls so much, which is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's unintended consequence of my personality. Right. That I get kicked in the balls. So there was a lot of damage. So it was a very, very difficult and messy operation, which incidentally, uh, my wife took pictures of my dick being cut into mm-hmm. and then sent it to staff of Penn and Teller, which I don't know how many, how many HR uh, uh, tough one. I, I think it's a vile. I think that every person, well, that's, this is, this has been true for a while. Yeah. Every person who's ever worked for Penn and Teller, yeah. every person has a, uh, uh, airtight lawsuit against us to take all our money. <laughs> and they're just choosing not to out of their, out of their kindness. That's nice. Yeah. Personal kindness. Uh, they, it's I like mean, a reverse, you know, strike three strike policy. Yeah, they have yeah. their strike on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Waiting, waiting to apply it for a larger I don't, change. I think anyone who's been with us for more than two months has all three. <laughs> so he, she sent out pictures of my bloody nutsack yeah. and cock to uh, everybody that worked for us. Hey, hey, look at this. Isn't this funny? Uh, sure. So if you want to work, if you want to see pictures of my dick and nutsack, bloody, yeah. come work for Penn and Teller. That's how we get <laughs> That's people part in. Of the kit. Yeah, sure. Um, I feel like I'm missing out. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm telling you is every guy who's gotten a vasectomy, and I had the nastiest one you can have. That's yeah. not true. There's probably somebody who like, oh, they took my nose out through my dick. Probably someone worse than me, but I had a bad one. And they they tell you, the urologists, I think, are paid extra to say this. They say, now, be really careful. I suggest you just sit on the couch with a bag of peas mm-hmm. on your cock and balls and just relax for several days. You shouldn't work or really do anything else. And they say this in the waiting room where you are with, you know, your significant other, presumably, yeah. and they hear, oh, this is awful. This is terrible. And you go back to your house and there are bags of frozen peas to put on your nutsack. Yeah. You can sit on the couch and, well, you're going to be here on the couch. I know you're suffering terribly. So you do. I watch three stooges (laughs) with 
Three Stooges alone. Yeah. Watching Three Stooges on your couch is the greatest experience in the world. Add to that frozen peas on your nutsack, and you are in heaven. Now, after two hours, yeah. my nutsack didn't hurt enough to talk about. It didn't stop me from talking about it. Right. Didn't hurt enough to talk about. After six hours, I mean, sure, your underpants are bloody, but many people have put up with that. <laughs> that ain't no deal, right? No. No. Mm-hmm. After a day, there is nothing. But I, and I, I there I am. See, I'm, I'm violating another NDA. <laughs> For every man who got a vasectomy, yeah. we've all kept this secret. Oh, it's... Oh, it's brutal for about five days. You better let me sit with frozen peas on my ball sack and watch the Three Stooges. So I'm saying to you, Brogan, is anyone you have in your life who does not have breasts and has not had breast surgery, uh, the doctor may be doing you a big favor. He's saying to your whole country, oh, Brogan can't work. No. What would you think? We took a benign lump out of her. She can't. No. How could a person work? So you sit on your couch, Brogan. With my blessing, and I will swear, I'm telling you, I will swear under oath that after that surgery, I wasn't even under a general. I was under like a private. Yeah. And uh, I was aware the whole time they were snipping my dick. I was aware of what they were doing. I was looking down there and going, oh, you're snipping into my dick. As a matter of fact, I watched it and understood it enough that I think that if anybody listening now needs a vasectomy... I can probably do it. Okay. And I can save you a lot of money. You can save me a lot of money because I yeah. went in for one and it was going to cost a thousand. And then said, oh, there's some musculature here. We got to put you under and, and do it in a, in a surgery. And then it went to about 5,000. So wait, 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 wait a second. Yeah. So uh, you need a vasectomy now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, 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 you're going to pay a thousand dollars? We're going to pay a thousand. Okay. You, you do the podcast for free. Right. For four weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll call it a wash, mm-hmm. and you bring me over. Uh, you're still you still drink alcohol now and again. I do, yeah, yeah. Okay, so bring a bottle of Jack Daniels. Yeah. Okay, that's on you. That you pay for that yourself. Okay, okay. Jack Daniels. Well, I'm gonna switch booze then. Yeah. And okay. bring okay, yeah, just something brown. <laughs> yeah. Right, and then bring me also a uh, a really sharp pair of toenail clippers, <laughs> and then I'm gonna watch some YouTube videos, and I'll Tutorials. just I'll just swing your I'll just swing your cock back. And I might have to dig around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But I'll find it. Yeah. I'll snip it. And you just drink Jack Daniels or whatever you want to drink. Yeah, I'll, take, I'll, do, uh, I'll do some Woodford Reserve. How's that? Okay, sure, sure. I don't yeah. know what that means. Yeah. Oh, you just said... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you might as well have been speaking Scottish. But what you're saying is you are Scottish because you want to save money on the liquor. Is that right? Uh, yeah. And, and on the vasectomy. And I'll do that, and then we'll bandage it up. And then I'll say, I'll say to your whole family... Yeah. Not just to Sarah. Yeah. To the children, I'll say, ooh, your dad's had a really tough time. <laughs> he can't bring you to school. He can't work. Mm-hmm. He can't. He's going to just sit on the couch. And, oh, uh, uh, if it's not too much work, Sarah, could you buy like 40 bags of frozen peas? Yeah. And could you also get the full, just get a full Apple subscription to the Three Stooges? Because he <laughs> needs to watch all 384 episodes. Yeah. He really does. There's no way around that. And you just sit there and the children come in. Yeah. And they say, hey, Dad, could you say, listen, my nutsack is killing me. 
On top of that, Uncle Penn did the operation, and I've got a feeling he snipped the wrong thing. <laughs> because now my ball sack is filling up with urine, and that can't be right. That just cannot be right. And I don't think the frozen peas is going to fix that. Um, so what I'm saying- That's a good bro- opportunity for a magic trick, though. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. We're going to do the cut and restored uh, urinary track. <laughs> For this, I need a magic wand and a shit ton of cranberry juice. <laughs> Watch me work. Uh, so, Brogan, I'm telling you, did they tell you to get frozen peas? They haven't told me to get frozen peas yet. Okay. Well, they might tell you to get frozen haggis. But whatever they tell you to get frozen, put that right on your tit. Yeah, yeah. And just watch anything you want on TV and do not go to work. Look what, look how much I love Reddy. Reddy just brought me some frozen peas. All right. So we're, we're actually, we're very close to doing this now on the podcast. We are. We are. <laughs> but first, I want to feel. I know he has sharp toenails up first. That yeah, I know. I'm going to put these right in my ball sack. You know, what, you know what this makes me think of? Makes me think of, oh, look at the grouse. Look at the grouse. Why I ought to. Hey. We're ambassadors. Let me do the talking. Uh, uh, oh, that feels good. I'm telling you, I am imagining, Brogan, you having frozen peas on your breast, and it makes me very, very happy. Here's toenail clippers. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I mean, one way or another, my wife's happy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sarah said when she was on the podcast. Oh, God, yeah. These will definitely do the work. This will do it. She said, she said, I've oh, always shit. wanted my husband's nutsack full of urine. So get to it. <laughs> okay. Let's talk to someone else because we answered Brogan's question. <laughs> I feel seen and heard and loved. Thank you. We're going to go to Jason. Jason who's going sideways on us. Hey, Jason's sideways. Jason is sideways. Yeah, Jason. Do you want me to be vertical? It's just. Oh, there you go. That's all it takes. I don't know about you, but my balls are freezing. <laughs> um <laughs> Before we get to Jason, yeah, okay, and Jason is going to be the best interview we've done in our lives, yes, because because my balls are well chilled <laughs> and because you have toenail clippers. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, about master class memberships. Okay, master class memberships are really the greatest gift you can give to someone. So good, lifelong learning. I've talked a lot about stuff here. Uh, Ready, Rich? Are you too busy with tech to talk about? Uh, I am. Okay. <laughs> I think the important thing uh, people realize is that there's an app for it. There's mm-hmm. audio versions of the lessons, mm-hmm. uh, so you, you can watch it or listen to it. There's- and it, it, you can listen, and it sounds great. And they're they're made so you can do that the lessons, but they also have video, and we know from doing ours, the Penn and Teller Masterclass, that they are really beautifully shot. Yeah, I mean it's cinematography and written tremendously. The lessons are just yeah, they're broken fabulous. down into little little lessons. So you you don't feel like you have to overwhelmingly take it all at the same time. You can mm-hmm. really work at your own pace, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome. And I don't think we've we've made this clear before, but yeah. um, with a membership, you get all. 180 instructors. Yes. So I think we're not thinking about, it's enough time you spend thinking about yourself. Yes. We're thinking about other people for the holidays. I, it's hard to imagine, I'm trying to think of my list of friends, uh, somebody that isn't interested in lifelong learning. Yeah. I think there's one friend I have in New Jersey that really is interested only in the Three Stooges. That's it. They're done. But for everybody else yeah. on my uh, on my holiday list, a master class is a great choice. What have you learned recently? So I've talked about this fella twice before. I'm going to talk about him again because he has 
a total of three, and that is Thomas Keller. Uh-huh. The owner-chef of French Laundry. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where, which Gavin Newsom wishes never happened. Yes. Go ahead. I'd gone to Guy Savoie here -hmm. in town Mm -hmm. and thought from that that I hated haute cuisine. Uh I mean, everything was perfectly prepared and Mm -hmm. interesting, but, you know, $500 for two ounces of food was a little off for me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I started taking Thomas Keller's masterclass courses that I uh, fully understood what they were trying to do with haute cuisine. Mm -hmm. He has all this rustic stuff that's perfectly prepared and he shows you exactly how to do it every step of the way. Oh, wow. And have you become a better cook? Because cause you're already an okay cook, right? Semi-decent cook, and he's made me better. Oh, that's good. That's good. So, this holiday season, give one annual membership and get one free at masterclass.com. To learn anything, if you cook one recipe from Ready's class, that $500 meal becomes nothing. Yeah. So, you've already made your money back. Yeah. So, you can't afford not to. <laughs> this holiday season, give one annual membership and get one free at masterclass.com slash N. Right now, you can get two memberships for the price of one at masterclass.com slash N. Masterclass.com slash N. Offer terms apply. I'm at the nail salon. What? I'm at the grocery store. What? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart, delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hello, it's Jason, right? Yes, it is. That's our We're guy. We're back with you. Do you have Do you have frozen peas in your nuts? I do not, but it's cold in the basement, so I figured that was fine. Good, good, but, good, um, good, 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 good. I and do have a question. Why is it always peas? Why can't you do like I, I think it's all, I'll, I'll tell you about that. I think it's because of the granular nature of yeah. the peas. They wrap nicely around your ball sack. Uh, it's and like. And they retain water, so they, they'll get frozen. Yeah. Wouldn't a corn do the same thing, though? Frozen corn? No, Jason. What are you crazy? Okay, next caller. Next Jesus Christ. No, um Turn down your radio. Um Seems like corn would do would do well. Uh I will tell you. Don't we need corn enough money? Like peas has got like no market, right? No peas like peas, they're using pea protein to make all these fucking impossible burgers. Oh, you're right. Peas are getting plenty of action. Okay, good. Don't you worry about peas getting laid. They are getting pollinated up the ass, right. which is the stupidest way to pollinate something. 
really took does, a long time. Doesn't work. No. No, not at all. Not at all. As a matter of fact, that was my method of birth control in high school. <laughs> was pollinating up the ass. It was. It's what we did for birth control in high school. Um, uh, the granular nature. Uh, we, we can get her on the phone. The, gr- the granular nature of the uh, of the of the peas. Yes. Or I suppose it would work well for corn. But I'll tell you, frozen peas. One of my favorite meals, yeah. my favorite meals, um, is to take those steam in the bag, yeah, uh, frozen peas. I mean, you just throw them in the microwave. Four minutes. Yeah, it's no work. It puffs up. Yep. Then you take the um, uh, used to be Uncle Ben's, no longer is. No. Whatever the brand is now, it's a politically accepted guy who loves rice. No, I think what it is, it's cheap Scottish person's <laughs> microwave rice. Brown rice, that's a minute and a half. Kilted and penny pinching, that brand? Yeah. <laughs> Guy Avenue, microwavable, kilted and penny pinching brown rice. Yeah, I can't even say that. <laughs> and you did it, You did like three times in a row. Say it again. Kilted and penny pinching. That's a good- You ever tell me about Ben Teller? One's playing with his nutsack and one's <laughs> putting money in the back. Um- Anyway, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> put the frozen peas in. Yeah, four minutes. Mm-hmm. Take those out. They need a minute to. I don't know what it is. Breathe or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's like fine I think not wine. Not to burn your ass. Yeah, not to burn your ass. Yeah. Yeah. And then you put the uh, penny pinching and <laughs> seasoning. No, no. Uh, What's the name of the and penny pinching? Kilted and penny pinching rice. Yeah. Ninety seconds. So it's thirty seconds extra. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. Take a bowl. Right. You put the rice in first and put the peas on top because the peas are prettier than the rice. Yes. They're just prettier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you put, I'm going to tell you this, you put in a little bit of that. What's that fake soy sauce? Is it tahuga? What's it called? Tamari? Tamari? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Tamari, shit. yeah. Yeah. Put that on and then a lot of Tabasco and that is a meal that, that is, a is good delicious. Meal. That is good. Really good meal. And if the... If the if the uh, if the frozen peas have been on your nutsack, it's sentimental as well. I don't think as a kid anyone did heavier lifting for peas than Tom and Jerry. Tom would pull the peas up on the on the knife right. and just roll roll like ten peas off the knife directly into his mouth, and it looked awesome. And it made you want to have peas. And then you ate them. And you're like, what? Betrayal. Uh, as a kid, I hated peas. Oh, I, I like I, them now. I've always liked. Peas. I used to not like them in pasta. Now I love them in pasta. It's good. Peas are good things. I like the yeah. peas. And um, it's also, when you've had them on your nutsack and you cook them up, it's like, have you ever had a, um, a woman friend who, uh, who told you that she <laughs> masturbated with a vegetable and then cooked it up? Have you ever had? I have not. Uh, I have. Okay. I have. Uh, not someone I was involved with, just a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was talking about how that afternoon she'd masturbated with a zucchini and then eaten it later. And it was a satisfying day for her. That's that's pretty so, bad. So you can kind of do the, put the frozen peas on your nutsack, add some uh, uh, kilted and penny pitching 90-second brown rice, and uh, you are set to go. You are set to go. So, Jason, back to you. We've yeah. talked about your nutsack. Uh, what do you do for a living? I work at a bank. Uh, not that big of a deal. Make calls to customers mm-hmm. uh, about auto loans and such. Uh-huh. Uh, people that are delinquent or people that are you trying to get to 
be part of this. Uh, people are, that are getting auto loans and our underwriters have questions like, why do you have so many vehicles or do you really make a billion dollars a year? And, uh, and the cartel leader is like, what do you care about how many cars I have? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've actually gotten that response quite a bit. Yes. So you're, you're, what does it matter to you? you are part of the pig power structure. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. you are one of the ones that uh, the Trump family would have lied to with impunity. Is that right? For sure. Yeah. So how how big is your apartment, this, Mr. This, Trump? What's it worth? This Camry is worth ninety grand because I drive it. <laughs> <laughs> or a hundred thousand, maybe hundred ten. And what is what is the most ludicrous claim you've had from somebody? It's not really claims. I just call and ask about like. No, no. I mean, I don't mean a claim. I mean an answer to your question that wasn't true. Well, I don't know if it's true or not, because that's what the... I know that, but people have said shit they pulled out Tell their ass. Tell us a story about an idiot. That's all we're asking. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm, I call some famous people, oh. and um, some famous people do not know what the heck is going on with their credit. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know if I'm famous, but I'm sure <laughs> guilty of the other. <laughs> I was asked, I you know someone asked me very sincerely how much money I had, what I made. I have no idea. You don't know. No idea. None. I get that. But like, do you know if you have a auto loan or a mortgage? Like that should be easy, right? Shouldn't it, Pen? Sure should. <laughs> it sure should. Oh, next caller. Um, <laughs> Oh, man, I got let go twice. <laughs> <laughs> and where do you live? Uh, Illinois. Illinois. Oh, nice. And do they wear kilts in Illinois? And do you have a knife in your sock? <laughs> um, no, that's my penis tucked in there because it's so long. <laughs> um, uh, you, we don't wear... You know, it's something to brag about until you need to defend yourself from a burglar. <laughs> Ask them answer. <laughs> just smack him with my penis. <laughs> <laughs> they even shame. They don't even get knocked out. They're just like, oh, what a day. I'm going home. <laughs> Just a mushroom stamp on them, and they're like, just, okay, I don't need to rob you anymore. That's fine. Now, um, now, did you have any sort of question? Or One question I had is I know that you keep a, a journal. I do. And do you, do you use, like, flowery language in there, or you just kind of talk about your you day, know, or what's going on? My friend who convinced me, my friend Elliot, who convinced me to keep a journal. Right. Uh, and he convinced me back, and I've said this before, and I mean it sincerely. It's so stupid. But um, I started my journal when I was uh, 35, 34, and I really thought that all the interesting things in my life had happened. I really did. Right. So I thought keeping a journal. And he said, most of the time, you're going to start your journal with, I got up. And I laughed and <laughs> laughed and said, ha, ha, ha. Then just this morning, I wrote, I got up. Um, <laughs> uh, it really is. I don't use flowery language. Yeah. And I do not, I'm very conscientious, I do not write for anybody to ever read it, but I found it incredibly useful. We're writing up uh, Penn and Teller career stuff, you know? Yeah. And uh, I have notes that say, Teller and I got the idea today to work upside down and send that live. We don't know how we're going to do it, but here's some of the ideas for bits we had. Oh, and man. And it's, it's not... It's not like, wow, was it something? Or tell it, no, get no. excited. Just it's fact. just pedestrian. Yeah. And it really puts stuff in context. And as you know, I, I read 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and one year ago, every morning, the same date. Yeah. And it, it really does inform how you live your life. Because you go, I was really bitching about this 20 years ago. It's time I did something about it. Wow. And that's you, Matt Donnelly. I'm not going to talk to you again 
ever. <laughs> Says I'm, I'm in the pocket of big corn, and you're in the pocket of big pea. Yeah, and we can't we can't keep talking. And about twenty that. years ago, I was like, "What is up with Matt talking about corn? It pisses me off. He's got to stop. If he says it one more time, and here we are, twenty years later, you bring up corn." Sayonara. Uh, I had a friend who was like, as I was moving to Vegas instead of LA, they said, oh, you got to keep a journal with mm -hmm. that. And I was like, why? I'm only going to live there for a year and bartend. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I so do you keep, you keep a journal, Jason? I do. Yeah. Um, and like you, I do put, um, I got up and. <laughs> I got up, cock smacked a prowler. <laughs> <laughs> and how, about how much do you write every day? Not too much, like a couple of paragraphs and stuff, just kind of what happened throughout the day. And I usually write about stuff. two pages, and now I started putting pictures in, so the files are getting enormous, like the size of your penis. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so you, how long have you been doing it? About three years now. I, I don't do it every day like you, but oh, yeah. um, pretty often. I have even I have even said when I was in the hospital with my ear surgery, yeah. I had them bring in my computer uh, I had someone write the date in, and I wrote, in the hospital. <laughs> and they just saved it. Wow. So that I actually had an entry from that day. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and I, I imagine the last day of my life, I'll say, op op yeah. open that up. This is the last one. <laughs> Close it. It's fine. <laughs> you keep a media diary. That you summarize mm -hmm. at the end of the year for everybody. We still do that on Patreon, right? Yeah. yeah. I write up everything I read, everything I, uh, every video, every movie, every concert, every play. I write those up. Those entries are in the journal. Then I cut and paste them into the separate uh, uh, areas of uh, plays yeah. and so on. Uh, it's a really, I think it's a really good idea. Some people with anxiety, you know, well, one of the psychological tricks they'll use is to have them read the newspaper a year later oh, wow. each day. And it just makes you see how, as um, the partner of uh, Kahneman, who wrote Thinking Fast yeah, and Slow, yeah. his partner used to say, the thing about things that are urgent is if you just don't do them, they're no longer urgent. <laughs> Man, it's got to be hard to get people to subscribe to that, though. That's going to be hard. That's, that's, a hard <laughs> that's a hard targeted ad to put together. Yeah. Do you want a newspaper from a year ago every day? Yeah. <laughs> that's a tough Just to find out that things went to shit even worse? <laughs> okay, thank you, Jason. Let's talk to uh, Devin. Devin. De you. Devin's a philosophy professor yeah. as he comes on. I am. You look nothing like... I'm technically a lecturer because I, I, I don't have a tenured post or anything like that, but I do... Professor of the philosophy stuff in Reno. Reno? Reno? Yeah. We didn't even know there was philosophy in Reno. Yeah. <laughs> barely, barely. Are you at uh, whatever it is, uh, UNR? I am, yes. Yeah, but you know, my, my children are both looking at UNR. Is it, a, is, it a good, is it a good college? Yeah, I mean, I think UNR has some strengths to it. Uh, the way I he said it, just there was a no. Yeah, yeah, like it was a, a no. Every, yeah. Everyone listening heard no. Yeah. Well, I mean, they hired me. How good they could they possibly be? And saddled you with the term lecturer, which is maybe one of the hardest <laughs> occupation names to have. You say I'm a lecturer, yeah. people go like, "Oh gosh, you're just going to talk at me." You know, I would say uh, the, the the issue with education in Nevada is the same anywhere, which is not so much about the professors as it is about the middle schools and the high schools. Oh yeah, which uh, uh, could be better. 
It could be better. Yeah, I well, you know, I went I went to high school w- without learning anything. Right. I mean, really not learning anything. I believe. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I went to a pretty good high school. Catholic school? No, no. So I went you to, learned I went how to, to take it. Oh. I went to Catholic. Uh, I went to Catholic grammar school as an altar boy, where I learned to take it up. Yeah. yeah. But um, then I went to a very big public high school that had a lot of different programs. So we got uh-huh. kids from all over the place to go Red Bank Regional High School. Mm-hmm. I have to slow down because anyone who went there calls it Red Bank Regional. So we actually had. I, I actually really enjoyed. My high school. Now, did you have good schooling, uh, uh, Devin? Yeah, I grew up in uh, South New Jersey, actually. Jersey. And, uh, give it up. Give it up. South Jersey, though? So you call <laughs> the city. When I say the city, you think of Philadelphia? Yeah. My, yeah. my home city is Philadelphia, and I'm actually trying to move back there over the next year or so. You're a piney. So you're going to go to the um, the university, the University of Nevada, Philly? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll see. I mean, we'll we'll see. You know, as a lecturer in philosophy, you know, I'm going to have to compete against people who may have more prestigious titles than me uh, okay. moving out to the East Coast. So we'll see exactly what happens or if I end up teaching community college or something like that. But in, in the meantime, I can at least claim to be a partial authority. And I, I, I wanted to mention to Ken that he sometimes comes up in my classrooms. How's that happen? Because... Uh, when I'm teaching existentialism to my classrooms, mm-hmm. uh, and I do teach existentialism sometimes, which has become almost like the default set of assumptions about meaning that ex- that atheists make. Mm-hmm. When once you abandon religion, there's this idea that well, we have to come up with our own meaning. We have to decide what has value in life, and Friedrich Nietzsche, in particular, has this idea of living your life as if your life is a work of art, mm-hmm. and he has a bunch. Of- passages about this, about making things hard on yourself, about making sure you don't get stuck in ruts, about specifically giving yourself challenges just to make your life more difficult, about uh, trying to always stretch out into new things. And when my students ask me for examples of who lives their life this way, I can't think of anybody who's a better example than you. Oh, what an incredibly kind thing to say, because in your philosophy, you never learned about Jean-Paul Sartre or Camus, who actually did a better job. You don't have any of them, so you can't use them as examples. (laughs) Have you heard of those two gentlemen? (laughs) Simone de Beauvoir? Have you heard of Simone de Beauvoir? Ever crossed your mind? You know, know, if if you're going to read about the ideas of existentialism, then Nietzsche, Heidegger, Sartre, de Beauvoir, uh, Merleau-Ponty, these are the guys that you want to read. But if, if we're asking questions about what does that look like, I, I think it looks like the kind of life that you've lived. Well, Devin, I'm just going to tell you right now, if you're going to go interview for another job somewhere, bring a pen in an interview is a mistake. Yeah, I thought you were going to say uh, existentialism could be summed up as a bag of peas in your nutsack and watching the stooges. <laughs> <laughs> But if they ask you who said that, you say start. <laughs> maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll go apply to teach philosophy at the Barnum and Bailey's uh, Clown College. Yeah, yeah. Oh. You know, um, uh, Teller. Yeah, Teller uh, always, always says uh, we just had an um, interview at the Skeptics Convention, right? And uh, someone asked me, uh, "Do you see yourself as a uh, comedian or a performer?" Or do you see yourself as a magician? How do you see yourself? And Teller said, Penn is an existentialist author. That's all he ever wanted to be. That's what he wanted to be in high school. And that's what he is now. Oh. <laughs> I, think, I think there's some truth to it, Penn. I, and I, I mean, there's, there's stuff in there. Uh, 
for instance, in, in Nietzsche, where he talks about living your life, he says, imagine this. Imagine if some night you were sitting in your bedroom and a demon came in through your window and said, this life, as you're living it now, you're going to have to live it again and innumerable times more. And you're not going to be able to change anything in it. Not the smallest detail. You're just going to... Not even the pee in my pants with the demon in my bedroom? <laughs> yep. He says, even me, even this spider web, even this, uh, and even the fear that you're feeling now, would you curse that demon? And would you... Well, has there ever been a moment in your life that was so glorious and that felt so amazing that you were so on top of the world that you would have fallen to your knees and said, you are an angel and I can't think of anything more divine. He says, what if you had to make every decision in your life as though this hung over it, that you're going to have to do it eternally? He said you would have maybe make different decisions that you wouldn't try to comfort yourself. You wouldn't seek routine. You wouldn't seek the same kinds of things all the time, but that rather, you know, junctures in your life that apparently seemed like they were, uh, they were painful and disastrous, that if you had to do it a second time, a third time, a hundredth time, that like a piece of music, you would eventually start to see those difficult portions that you didn't understand as first as like the best parts. He is a lecturer, huh? He is. Yeah. And good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I really, uh, I know, I know that, uh, that Nietzsche thing, and uh, I would not curse that demon. Yeah, I would do it. I would do it. Uh, I would do it. Like I, I do this actually thought experiment, but it's also covered in the uh, the low spark of high heel boys by traffic, which they wrote higher than shit when they said, <laughs> "If you if you were asked, would you do it all over again?" They asked that same question. Yeah. So I think you can either read all the existentialist authors. I read some of them. Yeah. You probably read all of them, or you can just get really stoned and listen to traffic. I've definitely done one of those things, and. Um, <laughs> I've done this experiment with my friends with our because when we have when we have our children, you kind of go like, oh, you have all this heartbreak, you have all this kind of regret with like you would have, should have, could have, and with romances, and you're like, but it all led to this point where you end up with who you ended up with, and you got your this, the kids out of the deal. You can't. So you're cursing that demon. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that what you're getting to? No, <laughs> no, is that like you know you kind of go like oh, I guess you know I can't I can't get in that time machine. Yeah. I can't I can't not have those. That's the way. Those two, those two little guys I got. Yeah, so. you know, uh, the p people uh, people talk about uh, uh, about not having uh, not having meaning without God, and the the answer is, of course, that God. You talk about atheists following existentialism, but God doesn't add meaning. No. That's the whole thing. You know, the, the the life is meaningless unless you have God. Well, life is meaningless. If you do have God, yeah, it's 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 to the out to the atheist outsider. It sounds like you're describing like an agent. We're like, yeah, it's like, yeah but I'm here to take ten percent. Yeah, and you're like, okay, I guess that's okay. So, uh, so are are you uh, are you presently in the middle of a semester of lecturing? I am currently uh, uh, in the middle of a semester of lecturing. I'm doing philosophy of art and critical thinking and philosophy of science this semester. Oh, so those are, those are stuck together. In that, uh, no, those are three different courses. Uh, pretty widespread, but uh, enjoyable for me to teach nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been? You seem a little bit youngish compared to old people like us. How long have you been a uh, lecturer? Uh, about 12 years now, I think. Maybe 13. Oh, yeah, geez. And why haven't you got up to tenure, you lazy fuck? <laughs> I, I, is there another way to ask that question? I don't think so. Okay. No, you, you asked it in precisely the correct way. You got me dead to rights. I need to write more. 
Ah, you uh, have, they want you to be published. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Is that, I, I like I, the teaching part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many students do you have in your average class? Uh, usually about 20 to 30. It's oh, that's nice. Whether it's required. Um, my philosophy of art class right now is required for a lot of students. So I've got like 45 in there. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you probably don't, you actually, I was going to say you probably don't, but you probably do have a perspective on this. Uh, are the students that are in your class, are they just trying to get through or is there a great deal of interest? I mean, before you bring your lecturing to it. Generally speaking, it's like, I want to say 90% just trying to get through, uh, for a lot of them. But then I try to pull in more to the fold along the way. I've really tried to structure my classes over the years in such a way as to try to get the students maximally excited rather than being concerned about really hitting all the finer points of the classics. Mm -hmm. So they get, uh, you know, because it's philosophy classes in college that I think I've heard the most people having life-changing experiences. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's really... Certainly for me, it was part of the reason why I went into it in the first place was age... 18, uh, I was already in community college. I had graduated a bit early from high school because I was in an alternative program. But I was kind of in a similar place that you were in at one point in your past where I had recently embraced atheism and I kind of felt like nobody knows anything. What do the scientists know? What do the philosophers know? We're just hurtling through an infinite nothing. And then discovered science through astronomy and through geology. And then... Uh, philosophy second through a professor who really just reignited my love for learning and made me want to do this for the rest of my life. And I probably wouldn't be doing this if not for that guy. Yeah. Isn't it always that? Yeah. Isn't it always that on everything? You know, I mean, really, uh, you can't see me as a, uh, as a, uh, magician unless yeah. tele came into my life. Right. And I, I know that's a different thing than college, except I didn't go to college. So my life-changing experiences were not uh, attached to a university. That was kind of adult formative times, like the 18 to 22 range. Yeah, yeah, that's when it was. Yeah. I met Tell when I was 17. Yeah. So it's it's exactly that. Thank you, Randy. It's exactly that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where you get life change. That's what I tell my children about college, which of course is hard for me to tell them because I didn't go. Right. Um, but I try to tell them, don't go and see it as a trade school. That really bugs me. I mean, the people that I know that got the most out of college didn't go there to learn a job. Right. They went there to expand their minds like um, Stephen Fry, Christopher Hitchens, yeah. you know, those people who just really exploded in that environment and did fabulously. I said, you know, I, I tell Mox and Zoltan, when you go to college, take classes in things you are not interested in. That's the most important thing to do. That's great advice. Really get pushed, you know? Yeah. I mean, if, if I had uh, the luxury of going to college, I, I would not be in theater or writing. Right. I would be like, uh, uh, give me a class on Jane Austen. Yeah. You know, give, give me, not Moby Dick. Give me Jane Austen. Give me, give me classes and a kind of music I don't listen to. Right. You know, I've got uh, a recommendation for you. Pat. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. You know who you should read? You should read Virginia Woolf. 
She's got a book called To the Lighthouse. That yes, is, I wanted to read that. I, it comes up in a lot of the classes I take and things like that. That book comes up, and I said, ah, you know, I really, should I read it, like, next? You would love it, Penn. Into it, the Lighthouse, it, right? It, it's it's uh, written in a relatively experimental style where Virginia Woolf is kind of splitting from one person's mind to the next and trying to capture kind of how our train of thought runs moment to moment. So you have to get rid of the Dennett multiple drafts idea. Just forget about that for a minute. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know what if that means can, either. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm doing too much philosophy stuff. Daniel Dennett has this idea that there's not a true train of consciousness, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I see, I see. Uh, I, but if you I'll can, just tell you, categorically, I don't agree with Daniel Dennett. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. What, what do you disagree with him? I don't know. He wrote, I think it comes down to one simple thing. He wrote a book on comedy, okay? And I love the book on comedy. I really dislike it. Uh, and okay. he, he sent it to me, I thought, for comments, and he really just wanted a blurb. And I was so upset because one of the one or two of the things he, that, that were he didn't really write it. It was students that wrote it. Uh, he attributed to um, uh, Stephen Wright or actually Emo Phillips and. He, he attributed something, several mistakes. Stan Freeberg thing was a mistake. I told them this is wrong, and uh, he said, "Well, it doesn't really matter to the point. It, it does matter." Yeah, <laughs> and I also <laughs> I, I can see that. I also said to them, um, "Have you seen Gilbert Gottfried live?" And they said, "No." And I said, "Well, you it negates a lot of your premises, and." One of the most important things when writing a book on philosophy, perhaps writing a book on anything, is to try to find things that negate what you're saying. That's the way you... Yeah, counterexamples. Counterexamples. That's the exact term I wanted. And it didn't seem... It seemed like they were doing a little cherry picking. I wanted to see some jokes in there that they said, we saw this in front of an entire audience. It killed. We don't know why it's funny. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a totally fair criticism. And I, I think, yeah, maybe they should do another edition of the book and add that on. What I would say about it is just that humor seems to me like it's one of the hardest things to explain philosophically in any domain. Like, if, if Hurley and Dennett didn't get it right, then nobody knows what the fuck is going on with humor. Uh, there's it's a like, comic that wrote a book that I haven't read all of it yet, and I forgot the name of it. God damn it. It's someone who wrote... Uh... I don't know. Uh, no, nothing to laugh about or no laughing matter or something. And it's, um, it really seemed to, to nail it. And also the guy, forgive me, the guy who wrote Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, yeah. Chris Matheson. Chris Matheson, yeah. He was on the show. He wrote a book on comedy that's really not bad either. Yeah. But it's a difficult thing. And I, I think it's a difficult thing because I think the reason comedy is so hard to get a theory of is not the problem is not comedy the problem is the taxonomy yeah. of how we're labeling comedy right because comedy the things we call comedy don't have anything in common so you can't possibly get a theory on knock knock jokes you know that also covers gilbert gottfried right. but also covers steve martin incidentally with a degree in philosophy we had to bring that up at some point right that's steve martin's background is philosophy um, and I think a few other comics too. Yeah, have a background in philosophy. 
But uh, I think the problem is how what we call comedy, yep. and the problem is not what we laugh at. Because, you know, Michael O'Donohue, who is one of the people you have to consider when you talk about comedy, said, which I, once, once someone has said this, the game is over. Right. He said, laughter is one reaction to comedy. It's not the only reaction to comedy. Oh, wow. And once you've said that, all those theories fall apart. And Michael O'Donoghue believed very strongly that some of the greatest comedy did not get a laugh. You know, right. I remember when Michael O'Donoghue, and he must have written this somewhere. He said it to me personally, but he must have written it somewhere. I said to Michael O'Donoghue what an incredible inspiration he was living my life as an atheist. <laughs> he said, well, surely God could have thought of a better gift to give us than life. <laughs> Even a toaster oven. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so uh, I think that's the, I've just, I just solved that for you. The whole, uh, the whole problem. <laughs> well, I mean, you're definitely talking about some stuff that people talk about when they try to unpack humor, which is that you can have laughter without humor. They call that non-Duchenne laughter. Right. But then you can also have humor without laughter. It's the difference between funny ha-ha and funny huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what about funny but, admiration? Uh, Sometimes yeah. a comment starts going and they're, they're being so funny. I go, oh my gosh, they can't keep this up. How far can they go? <laughs> yeah. And then they do go, and then just go, I'm like, yes! George Carlin talks very, very much. Yeah. I uh, used to talk a lot about how uh, he used to be too funny. Yeah. And you would wear the audience out mentally and even physically. Yeah. And you had to do stuff that wasn't funny, that was building up slower, yeah. or you couldn't let that, let that rhythm go. But then again, we're talking about all different things, because the first thing we go to is stand-up. Yep. And then we go to movies, then we go to this, then we go to that. But until you talk about uh, people sitting around together right. and how that moves through and what you're feeling, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it's really, really difficult. I know when I, not that I should be entered in this conversation at all, but when I taught improv uh, often, I used to always uh, talk about actually humor as like a, almost like a coping mechanism. I used to say that drama says there's a hero in all of us, mm. and comedy says, no, there's not. <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah. But it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think, like, when you get in that like, kind of guilty pleasure laughter with your friends, I think most of the time you're kind of remarking on how much you guys are kind of failures, mm. and, 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 and that we're still just getting through life. Yeah. Although, uh, Christopher Hitchens was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> 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 and failure doesn't come up there, right? No, 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 yeah. no, no. Uh, so, uh, boy, this is this this is great. I, I've always said we should have a uh, philosophy professor, but I was wrong. Yeah. We should have a philosophy lecturer. That's right. On. That's right. Thank you so philosophy much, Devin. Professors too much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Too much. Too much. Uh, we don't want someone with tenure. Yeah, because then he'd be referring to his articles that he hasn't written, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh gosh, you, you brought research. No. Yeah, that's not Too fair. much. That's not fair. But we are running out of time. We are. We are. So we're going to say, we're going to say we're really sorry, Joey, but we're going to do these a lot because we love doing them. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know why we didn't do these from the very beginning. These are the know. best. Yeah. Just talking to people. And I want to thank also uh, Jason. And maybe if you, uh, if you get stuck, in that uh, hellhole we call Reno, maybe you will be, uh, you will have one of my uh, children in one of your classes. Yeah. <laughs> Very probably if I end up staying. Um, yeah. But yeah, Penn, you have a great uh, afternoon. 
And if you read to the lighthouse and talk about it on the air at any point, it will make my whole adult life. I will. I will. I will do that because I want to. I'm looking for. I'm finishing up the. Uh, I wanted to go back and read his childhood life. He would like you to read Batman and talk about it on air. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to read the uh, Elizabeth McCracken. I hadn't read her Niagara book. I want to go back and read that. And then, uh, so I'm starting to read that now. And then afterwards, I'll do the Virginia Wolf because I've been wanting to anyway. But I'll give you credit. I'll pretend I didn't want to, and you told me all about it. When I do that on Sunday School, that'll be the story. You know, this uh, Penn Sunday School is brought to you by MasterClass.com. MasterClass has these wonderful memberships where you can give somebody, uh, I was going to say give them the gift of lifelong learning, but that that's, that's not correct. Yeah. You can help them in their yeah. lifelong learning with a MasterClass membership. Fabulous lessons, fabulous uh, instructors, 180 different instructors, and it all comes for one price. And here's the punchline. This, first of all, it checks off many people on your uh, holiday gift giving yeah, list. This is it really does. I can't see everybody, but a lot of people. And now, the ho- this holiday season, give one annual membership and get one free at masterclass.com slash Pen. Right now, you can get two, two, two memberships for the price of one at masterclass.com slash pen. Masterclass.com slash pen. Offer terms apply, and that was Pen Sunday School, brought to you by Masterclass. That was Pen Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. You become naked. I love doing these shows. They really are so fun. Better than anything else. <laughs> I love doing them. Bouncing off people. Yeah. It's great. It's really great. Yeah, you know we love you. Hey, hey there, Mag. Anybody to thank? I do. I want to thank the following people supporting us over at patreon.com slash pen. Plenty of rewards to check out. Go there now if you aren't there already. Fine members of the congregation are there. Like, I get to see Piff live on November 16th. Harry the Gorillagician, Don Dottie, Kevin Burke, David McLaughlin, Old Bear Greg, Charlie Sheets says trans rights. No shit, Sherlock. And Shelly Ruger. Someone changed their name to and. Timothy Carver. Feel better, Timothy. Jenny loves Penn like Penn loves Dylan. Taylor Swift. Oh, welcome aboard, Taylor. Coach Rat Bastard. Emery, the extra longshoreman. Dave, I want to figure your cunt Brenner. Tristan Conant. Mason Gooch. Sagebrush. Matthew Mishu. Luke Mellon. Jason Andrew Davidson. Peter B. Clark. Matt Williams. Soapy Fresh. Brad Sherlag. Mike Cavanaugh. Rafiki. Steve Feldman. Jonathan P. NewRuleFX.com. They make great stuff. Eric M. Ryan. Chris Hatchaby, Luke McKinney. Danny, insert meta joke here, Ruse. A little Mandar, Mike Fresh. Tell me this ain't a bunch of crap. <laughs> Jobathar Bowers, Adam Stickney, Nathan Julian, Jeremy in Shanghai, Christopher Harris, Petty Officer Scoop, Daniel, it takes courage for a man to admit his wife is wrong. William Rangarine, David K, Shane Brevik, Blue Drinks Film says clear your cookies, baby. Brandon Knapp and Nick Dingman, thank you so much. Thank you! 
Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.